Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, player introductions in Toronto. Raptors and Warriors getting set to go. Game one of the NBA Finals. Eskimos in Winnipeg tomorrow for a preseason game. Head coach Jason Moss on moving the walkthrough inside today because of the smoke. Yeah, I mean, it's reminiscent of last year with the two weeks we dealt with with the fires from last year. So, uh, obviously, if it was a game today, I doubt we'd even play. I mean, it's one of those things. So, air quality is not very good. So, we went inside. Thankful we have the facilities we do here. And, uh, you know, just unfortunate for up north. I mean, that's more of what you think of when you see this here in Edmonton. All right. Yeah, it is not good out there. Of course, we will uh, keep you updated on the air conditions, the smoke, the wildfires through the evening and all day tomorrow and as long as you need to be updated right here on 630 Chet. Well, this is a great update to have. I am pleased to uh, welcome back to the show Ultra Runner. He runs crazy long distances. He set a couple of world records. He has a great story with him and his son. He's going to recap that. Welcome back to Inside Sports, Dave Proctor. Dave, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It is great to talk to you again. It's always a pleasure to follow up with guests who we've had on the show before. And I'll just uh, quickly remind people, because I know your interviews were were really popular last year. You were the gentleman who was going to run across Canada to raise money for uh, rare disease research. And your son, Sam, has a very rare disease. And I know you you didn't quite make it because you got injured along the way. But so I'm sure people will remember that story. Let me ask you first, uh, how, how are you from the uh, from the injury that felled you last year? Was it not something to do with your back? You bet, absolutely. That was a, a low back, so like an L5-S1 disc uh, herniation, and I'm doing great now. It's been a long reco- re- recovery, a uh, lot of physiotherapy, and um, yeah, a lot of work to, to get where I am right now, but I'm feeling great, never better. Well, that's great to hear. And to me, Dave, and and nothing against you, I'm sure you'll know where I'm coming from here. The the star of this story is really Sam, your your son. I I know you gave us the the story of of his uh, rare disease last year. Maybe if you can just give us a reminder, uh, you know, what Sam is, is battling and how he's doing these days. Absolutely. Yeah, so my, my 10-year-old boy, Sam, uh, he's got a rare disease called, called relapsing encephalopathy with cerebellar ataxia. And we, we call it RECA. And it's, it's one of over 7,000 known rare diseases. And, yeah, no, he's, he, he, his, uh, his disability is really a lack of balance and coordination. Um, even just today, he, he came home and, and he was covered in, in cuts because he, he, was, he fell on the way home. Um, that's just a regular, regular thing. And so, um, yeah, but no, yeah, outside of that, he's a very high-functioning um, uh, little boy. He was super smart, uh, super outgoing. But, yeah, no, he, he deals with a lack of mobility and lack of, uh, balance and, and, and uh, coordination with all movements. And so, no, he's doing really well. But, um, you know, along the way, we, um, go, we, it took us over six years to get our diagnosis with my son, Sam. Um, he got sick when he was two years old. And 
we went through this what's what's called what we call the diagnostic odyssey and it takes a long time for for families living with rare disease in this country to to number one get the help that they need number two get the attention that they need but number three get a diagnosis and and kind of be linked to to best practices and potential treatments and and on and so forth Um, we were lucky we have a diagnosis Uh, the average rare disease diagnosis in Canada takes five years it took us six years and uh, but you know what Sam is doing well he's a super happy healthy um, you know, ten-year-old boy um, who who just has his challenges, and we want to help support other families uh, like ours. Uh, we call we call ourselves a rare family. Uh, we kind of get through this process. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, recapping. You know, Sam uh, Sam's condition and, and what he battles. And, and I want to ask you just a little bit about that too, because you mentioned him falling and, and getting cut up a little mm-hmm. bit, and, and he lives with that. And, and I hear that. And 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 you know, I know you've told me about Sam before. What a what a positive kid kitty is. But I also hear that and mm-hmm. think, man, that that just must be frustrating. That you know, you just fall through no f- fault of your own. How how does he sort of I mean, I guess he's he's lived with it, but I'm still just curious how he is on a, on a day-to-day basis and sort of living with uh, just knowing that sometimes he, he might take take a tumble and there's not, kind of nothing he can do about it. Well, yeah, and it's you know it's 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 interesting because it's his it's his normal. That's all he's ever known, and I'm sure if you were to eliminate his ataxia, the lack of balance and coordination, he he would think it's quite weird. Uh, so you know, a lot of the time, it's amazing that he. He's, he's able to, to maneuver, maneuver his body and stay upright the way that he maneuvers his body. But, you know, he's adapted and, and been able to, to create these, you know, what would seem to be strange and odd little movements to be able to stay upright. It's really quite incredible. But really, you know, the funny thing is, Reed, you, you and I complain about little things all the time. Um, and yet, you know, he never really ever complains about it. Um, you know, he, he wiped out today and he was like, oh, he shrugs his shoulders and oh, that's the way it goes. You know, that's, that's just what, what happens. Um, funny thing is he typically doesn't complain about it, um, which really, I don't know about you, but it's pretty inspiring uh, given my, you know, little problems here and there and my struggles in my life and the people that I see around me and the, you know, the amount that we complain about the small little things, yet kids with disabilities I find just don't. Well, that, that's incredible, and uh, yeah, I, I just love when you talk about him because I can I can hear how much you love him and, and how pr- proud you are of him for sure. Dave Proctor joining oh, us yeah. at Inside Sports. He's he's an ultra runner from Okotoks, Alberta. Again, we introduced you to him last year when he was uh, going to run across the country. Now, recently here, you set a couple of records, and they are treadmill records. Now, now I've read about these, but I'm going to let you put it in your own words because you'll explain it way better way better than i did what exactly did you do dave (laughs) yeah so this past weekend i was on the treadmill uh at the big four building in calgary um right on the stampede grounds during the calgary marathon race expo so if if you're going to run the calgary marathon you have to go pick up your race package from 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 the race expo and if you were to do that i would i was on a treadmill with this kind of stage that we set up with these massive 80 inch TVs and music and, and a confetti cannon and it was, it was just a lot of fun but I was on the treadmill um, and I was going to break two Guinness World Records number one was the furthest distance run on a treadmill in 12 hours and number two was and this was my A goal was to break the world record for the fastest 100 miles on a treadmill 
And so to put that into context, that's just under four marathons. So a marathon is, is a 42.2 kilometer distance. And in order for me to break that world record, I would have to run you know, just under four sub-marathon standard qualifying times. So that's a really fast pace for, uh, well, in my opinion, a, a really long time to be able to do that. Now, three years ago, I ended up breaking the Guinness World Record for the furthest distance run on a treadmill in 24 hours, so really doubled the time. But it, keep in mind, it was a lot slower. I ended up breaking the world record there by running 260.4 kilometers in, in the 24 hours. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to set a goal um, that scares me. Um, you know, when I look back at my running life, um, and I look at the times that I've grown the most. And I think that's, that's exactly what we all do with this, what all your listeners do is you, we all want to grow uh, in our sport. And what you do is you put challenges out there that scare you, that typically make you want to move away from that and never do that again. And when I look back at my running life, Three years ago, when I broke the treadmill Guinness World Record, that mentally ripped me to shreds. Um, I don't know about you, Reed, but I can't, I can't handle, I can't stand treadmills. Um, you're, 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 you're caged. Yeah, I hear you. I, I can't do it. I have to, I have to run outside mm-hmm. or on a track. It's, I find it too Absolutely. boring on a treadmill. You bet. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know. It, you mentally have to dial it completely in and it's such a long time that you end up having all these conversations in your head and you you know there's a good enough syndrome and you're oh okay well i'm gonna back off the pace or i'm gonna i'm gonna take a little bit break here but you, you can't do that when you're going after a world record and so you know this past year reed when i was running across canada um 108 kilometers a day for six to six days in a row that is mentally tough and i wasn't happy with myself uh, about how many times i mentally crumbled out there i was really quite disappointed in myself at, at how many times I, and i would use the word pathetic how, how, how typically i was pathetic out there i was you know oh, i'm so sore and sore this hurts so bad how can i do this how can i you know I, i've got to sharpen my knife and in order to, in, in ultra running in order to live on the razor's edge and to be as good as I need to be in order for me to even consider running across Canada again. What I need to do is I needed to get back on that treadmill and I needed to, to kind of sharpen my knife. And so that's what this was this past weekend. So I, 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 I set forth at four o'clock in the morning on Saturday and, and I, and I ran a hundred miles and I broke both uh, Guinness world records, both the, the furthest distance run on, tre- on treadmill in 12 hours and the, the fastest hundred mile. Well, that's awesome. I, I love the way you tell the story and, and you talk about the, the mental grind as much as the physical grind. And it is a physical grind, I, I'm, I'm sure. How are you feeling after? Have you been, uh, how many runs have you been on since then? Or did you take a day or two off? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I took a couple of days off. I've been on for three runs since, uh, two runs yesterday, one day today. And, you know, it, it, what you want to do after something like that, a 100-mile run, you typically want to be a sloth and lie around on the sofa. But, you know, that's typically not what the body wants. So it's, it's what the mind wants. You, you, you want to, you know, say, okay, I'm going to, you know, Netflix binge or I'm going to you know, put my feet up and eat, eat potato chips. Uh, but no, uh, you, you know, your body really wants to have active recovery. So getting up and going for a hike or getting up and going for a walk or going for a bike ride, 
and so the last three runs have been really quite quite good. Um, you don't feel great during, but you feel wonderful after. It really feels good to kind of stress out or uh, to um, to stretch out the body. But immediately after uh, running 100 miles, especially on a treadmill, um, all you want to do is eat. But then when you start eating, you just want to stop. All you want to do is sleep, and you can't sleep because you consistently feel like you're running. Um, it's you know, it's it's a bit of a nightmare. Uh, every single one of these things, read every single time I do something like this, I always wonder why the heck am I doing things like this? Like, this is stupid and idiotic. But yet, you know, three days will pass, and you know, you you look back and say, okay, I remember I was suffering, but I don't quite remember the amount I was suffering and exactly how it felt. But I do remember my arms up in the air cheering people you know donating to the rare disease foundation people celebrating at the end and and feeling uh, a, a level of accomplishment that um it, it's hard to describe and all i want is is more of all of that dave incredible uh you know i love listening to you talk about uh about your running it, it, it's it's so cool uh and let people know if they want to check out uh, you know, if they want to donate or find out more about you, do you still have the Outrun Rare website going or where can people find out more? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so OutrunRare.com is, is, our, our, is our website. Uh, also, take a look at the RareDiseaseFoundation.org. Uh, but please, please, please follow us on Instagram at uh, Dave Outruns Rare or uh, Outrun Rare, Outrun Rare on, on Facebook uh, or other ways to, to get a hold of us. Dave, thanks again for checking in. Congratulations on the two records over the weekend. All the best to you and Sam and the rest of your family. I hope we stay in touch. Absolutely, Reed. Thank you very much. Great to have Dave Proctor, ultra runner, on Inside Sports as he keeps us updated on his accomplishments and his brave son, Sam. It is 9-9, four and a half minutes into the first quarter, Golden State and Toronto. And can also tell you that St. Louis Blues Oscar Sundquist suspended one game for boarding Boston's Matt Grizzlick last night. Kelly Rudy were talking about that hit earlier on the show. So Sundquist gets a one-game suspension. He'll miss game three on Saturday. Inside Sports. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's on 6.30, Chet. leading Golden State 16-11 with five and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Game one of the NBA Finals. The Edmonton prospects were hoping to play against Okotoks tonight. I was in touch with someone from the prospects late this afternoon. They said, yeah, we're playing. It now turns out that game at REMAX Field has been cancelled because of the poor air quality. So the prospects not playing tonight at REMAX Field. Oscar Sundquist from the St. Louis Blues suspended for boarding 
Matt Grizzlick last night of the Boston Bruins. One game suspension. He'll miss game three of the Stanley Cup final on Saturday night. It starts at 6. You can listen to it right here on 6.30 Chad. And tomorrow we have the Eskimos second and final preseason game. 5 o'clock countdown to kickoff. Game at 6.30. Eskimos at Bombers. The Eskimos beating BC 22-7 in preseason action Sunday afternoon on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Philip Lawley, new defensive coordinator, I interviewed him in the offseason shortly after he was hired. He said, look, I got a coach to the strengths of my athletes, but my default position is to bring pressure and to make the opposing quarterback as uncomfortable as possible. And he certainly called that sort of game against the Lions. Here's head coach Jason Moss on Lolly's defense. I think that's, you know, Larry Dean's leadership in the middle there. He gets those guys playing hard. I think uh, Lolly has high expectations for our defense, and I think it's starting to permeate through our defense. They know what's important on defense, running to the ball, hustling, uh, playing assignments down, doing their job. Um, I think all those little things you, that you talk about to have a successful defense, we're doing right now and we're starting a culture on defense and um, you know it started with that first game but I've been seeing that kind of same effort and same desire all through all our practices there's no one's held more accountable uh, or I should say our defense is just being held accountable on every play and they understand that all right and of course a couple of days ago Dave Tippett hired as head coach of your Edmonton Oilers if you missed anything there you can get all the audio all the write-ups on 630Ched.com. We had current Oilers Sam Gagne on the show on Tuesday. He played for Tippett in the 14-15 season. He was, uh, I asked him, is Tippett a defensive coach? Why does he have this reputation? Well, I think structure and defense are uh, are different things. I think, um, you know, when, when, you, when you talk about Tip, I think uh, he wants to have a, you know, a defense's own structure and he wants to be, um, you know, very detailed with, uh, you know, everything he's trying to preach, which is, it's great as a player because you know where you, where you stand and you know, um, you know, what's expected of you. But at the same time, I don't think he's ever put a leash on anyone in terms of trying to make plays and uh, trying to create. And, you know, you look at some of the high-end offensive players we have and, um, you know, I think he's, he's going to let them uh, do what they do offensively and be creative and, uh, you know, I think that's that's important uh, for players to have, and, and and he believes that as well. And I think um, if you can have um, you know that structure to fall back on defensively, it's um, it's only going to help our group and um, you know help us move forward. So um, you know, I think uh, I don't think there should be I don't think there's a label that you put on or anything. And uh, um, you know, I'm excited to see uh, what he's able to do with our group. Full interview with Sam Gagne on the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. Four minutes left in the first quarter. Warriors now up 
All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 7.34, one minute left in the first quarter. Raptors leading Golden State 25-19, game one of the NBA Finals. I mentioned the prospects game. They were uh, hoping to do it. They do not do it because of the air quality against Okotoks at Remax Field. Tomorrow at the Expo Center, the Edmonton Stingers with a 2-2 two and two record in the CEBL will take on the Saskatchewan Rattlers at 7. Saskatchewan coming in at 3-2. and two. Saturday at 4.30 at Clark Field. It'll be FC Edmonton taking on Valor FC. Uh, FC beaten on the road last night. The record for the season, a win, a draw, and two losses. So they will try to hop back into the win column. And we have a couple of uh, FC Edmonton players in studio. Please say hello to Amir Didich. Amir, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? Doing very well. And also Philip Lindcourt-Joseph. Philip, what's up? I'm good, I'm good. Everything's good, thanks. Nice to see you guys. Thanks a lot for coming in here. Uh, I know it's obviously uh, busy with you guys uh, rolling through the, the season and the first ever CPL season. How uh, how are you surviving the, the smoke the last uh, the last couple of days? The smoke? Geez, honestly, I, I didn't even know it was smoke that I woke up this morning and I saw <laughs> the red sun. <laughs> that was like the apocalypse or something. <laughs> Well, it's not quite that serious, but you guys didn't have to train today, so it's okay. No, 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 no. Okay. All right. Well, well, thanks a lot for coming in. Uh, you guys got a couple of uh, cool stories, and you're getting ready to, to go here on Saturday. Uh, Amir, we will uh, we will start with you. Right. Now, tell us, I guess, you know, we were talking a little bit off air. You, you basically consider yourself an Edmontonian. Yeah. Yeah, but but yeah. tell us, you know, where you were born and your story about coming to Edmonton. Yeah, for sure. No, um, the family, uh, we, I was born in Bosnia. Um, 1994 during during the war there, and uh, we immigrated over to to BC, in Surrey, and uh, kind of grew up a little bit there, and then uh, made the transition over here to uh, Edmonton, where we we all kind of grew up, me and my sister, and uh, and kind of built built our lives here. Now, do you remember living in Bosnia at all, or were you pretty? No, little? I was young. I was about one when I moved over. Oh, okay, so, BC, so so my sister still remembers a lot. So. <laughs> have you ever go been, through her to to learn some stuff? Have you ever been back? Yeah, I've been back. I haven't I haven't been back in a while actually. My parents usually go every year. Okay. But uh, with school and stuff in the season, it's, it's it's been hard to find a a time to go back. But that's definitely on my list. I I I, I don't want to. I hope I don't sound insensitive by asking this, but there must be that that contrast for you. Uh, and I'm not saying Canada's a perfect country, mm-hmm. but I mean, like, like you said, the the war there, and and your family said we yeah. we got to get out of here, and then you're able to live in Canada. I mean, how how does that sort of process for you? Yeah, yeah. Even now, it's it's still. Uh, my parents tell me, and I just see through, through conversations with my grandparents and family there that um, the lifestyle is is much different living there and then living here. It's just it's still you still see shades of, of, of the war and stuff like that when you go there. So. It's 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 still rebuilding, I'd say, but it's definitely uh, something that my parents wanted for my sister and I was to come to Canada and kind of kind of have a better better life. Now I'm going to be like your coach Jeff Paulus here and just give you guys a little bit of so just come in a little closer to the mics so our, our okay, listeners no, yeah. can, can hear you nice and loud. That's better. Okay, so I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, so a little bit in BC and then in Edmonton. Was soccer always the primary sport for you growing up, or, or if not, what else did you play? No, yeah, my dad, uh, he uh, started. He he played till he was about 15, but unfortunately, he he had to go into the military at, at a young age, and so I think he kind of kind of put that upon me and and kind of kind of pushed me to to do that and influenced me a lot with that. So it's definitely something through through my dad that that. Um, Help me push push me as a young age, and obviously through through my years, and obviously now and at the pro level. What clubs and and teams in Edmonton did you grow up playing for? Oh, um, 
we had that team where we'd always switch clubs every year we have the same group of guys would be on the same okay. team and we end up switching clubs but <laughs> but um yeah southwest united juventus started off with the short park rangers when they're rangers back in the day but but that's kind of some of them that i remember all right philip uh over to you now you're from you're from laval yeah so what's your uh minor soccer story was uh were you were you like okay we, two years old you had to start kicking the ball no, around or what was it i actually like? started i actually started playing in a team when i was four because uh, basically i had a soccer field right behind my house and then my dad would take me then at some point we just ran into a coach and then he asked my my dad spoke with the coach and signed me up for for the team and then i started and i just stuck with it and then i started playing competitive competitive around eight years old and yeah, I just played ever since. No, so you started when you were four. Yeah. Now, did it come quick to you, or were you one of those kids where you just kind of randomly ran around and no, your position it, later? <laughs> no, it came it came quick because I kind of have like I don't know. I was always someone who tried to control the ball instead of just like kicking it randomly, and I feel like that kind of shaped up the way I play now. And yeah, uh, I wasn't I wasn't like the, those wild kids who just like try to kick the ball and whatever i was actually trying to control the ball and, and play somewhat decent <laughs> and were you identified as an elite player pretty young or when did that blossom for you um i was recognized as a as one of the prospects when i was really young like like between 8 and 12 i'd say then i had a kind of a uh there was this this moment where i was kind of in and out you know like i had my my head was elsewhere and then i kind of hopped back in and then i didn't make the provincial team uh i just got scouted when i was like 17 to the, the montreal impact academy system and that's where uh professional soccer really started for me it was my first experience uh playing like it being in a professional environment well i i love that how you guys see you know grew up grew up playing but then you know as i was just asking you there's that moment where Okay, I'm I'm getting better. I'm getting identified as as an elite player. Philip, I'll, I'll stick with you for the rest of that story. So you go to the was it the Impact Academy? You said you went yeah. to. So they're they're an MLS team. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, was that an eye opener? Did you have to like even step up your game even even more? I mean, what's it like once you get to that level? Yeah, honestly, um, I remember the, the first thing that I really had to change was pretty much my attitude because, like, going from amateur football to playing, uh, you know playing in a, in a professional environment with, with guys that have been you know, that are with the under 17 national team and stuff like that it it just and I'm playing also with or, older guys because when you're you know when you're 15 like all my all my life I had played with players that are my age and then I get into like you know a professional club and then now I'm playing with guys who are like three four years older than me and so it really had to I, have, I really had to shape up my character and like my attitude and and obviously step my game up a few notches all right, uh, Amir. As for you, so you mentioned you, you grew up in Edmonton, and uh, you went and played some as college in the United States. Tell Correct, us about yeah. getting recruited and, and why you picked. Uh, was it Baker? Yeah, you went Baker to? University yeah, in uh, Baldwin City, Kansas. Um, no, yeah, it was. I was in the FC Academy, Edmonton Academy. Um, it was my senior uh, grade twelve, I guess. I want to say senior year, but um, and the coach from Baker was there for that weekend. We had a game, and I didn't really have any plans for school upcoming. I just was kind of going with the flow. And uh, he watched me play a game, and he offered me a scholarship that night. And on was, one game? Yeah. He hadn't seen any yeah. video? No, he just came and watched the game. And I'd actually been playing center midfield there, and I played center midfield. I was 160 pounds, same height. Um, and How tall are you? I'm 6'4". Yeah, okay. I'm 6'4", yeah. 
so it's a pretty small boy there. Um, and so, yeah, I made a decision overnight, talked with my family, and uh, I guess one month, two months later, I was in Kansas. Wow. Yeah. Well, how was that experience? Yeah, it was good, for, I mean, for my development. Um, I wanted school to be number one priority so I got that done but I learned a lot throughout the four years um came in obviously as a fragile 17 year old and uh kind of worked realized my first year that I gotta put some more work into this if I if I want to be a professional professional soccer player and uh kind of kind of worked a lot by myself to, to make that happen and then yeah, it kind of went off from there all right, and so what what happened between finishing school and going to FCM then? Because you had some looks with some other teams too, right? After finishing high school? Yeah, after finishing sort of with Baker University. Oh, actually, Baker, I, I only had one option really, because um, Nate Hauser, my head coach for Baker University, he was in close contact with Sporting Kansas City, and so towards the last month of our college uh, season, he had him come to the games. I didn't even know. He wouldn't tell. He didn't tell me till later that. That he was coming and from there um they off they offered me a trial with swell park rangers their usl affiliate which was their first year that year and um so that was really my only option there um in terms of playing pro so i i kind of jumped at it there and went there and it was a crazy ride so far all right yeah. well that, i I, lo- I love getting yeah. stories from from athletes like you because yeah. you, you never know where the sport's gonna gonna take yeah. you and philip you're you're an example of that as well so you were with the uh the impact academy mm-hmm. and that didn't work out not in not through any fault of your own if i understand correctly what happened yeah no basically <laughs> i spent six years there um, spent a few uh, like a bit of time with the the first team um, didn't work out but it was honestly like it was six years where I learned so much but didn't you have a team fold on you what do you mean like uh, cease to exist or did that not happen yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, so. but I, uh, the thing was that what happened was that I kind of left right before that happened okay um, because yeah like we, we spent two years basically in the USL and I had the like the chance to make a good like highlight video during that time and so um it was pretty much already decided that i would leave um after that season so uh around august september i was already contacting like other teams and you know trying to really um find contacts that could get me elsewhere preferably in in europe and so i was in contact with many guys you know many people and uh, so like how do you do that does an agent help you just have to know at, somebody and get f- the ball rolling at first it's easier when you know someone but at first i was really like on my own and i was trying to find agents you know i was not only contacting clubs but also contacting agents um i was like on transfer market which is a place where you can see all the player stats and everything the team stats and all that and so i was trying to find agents that had players in leagues where i wanted to play so i would i would send out like you know uh, tens of emails a day and and then finally I, I just um, I met this guy that is based in Montreal but has a lot of contacts in, in Portugal and I sent him my tape and basically he got me in contact with an agent over there and you know it's always like you know someone who knows someone who knows someone so, so you, so you want to play in Portugal yeah how yeah. long were you there I was there for a season so a year and anywhere else not in Canada or the United States I was in Oman oh my goodness yeah what so. was that like it was different. <laughs> How so? Like it was like culture like, wise or soccer wise? Yeah, well, pretty much both, but mostly the culture. Like, you know, it's obviously it's not like here, you know, where where like, you know, first of all there's no public transit, like the the language is completely different. It's not the same letters, like 
you know, and and even compared to Portugal, in Portugal, I was able to learn the language pretty quickly. Uh-huh. Um, I was kind of immersed in in, in the whole uh, culture, but then in Oman, it was really different. You know, like first of all, it's like 45 degrees Celsius during the day, and and like you know, you're not allowed basically to wear shorts. Uh, in public environments, so you know, oh it's, my. It, yeah, stuff like that. You know, like there's and, air conditioning everywhere. I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I can't complain, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was for sure. It was different. It was different. Oh wow, forty-five. Okay, yeah. well, you guys uh, have had some interesting experiences, but I, I think you're where you need to be with FC Edmonton. Can you guys stick around for another segment after the break here. Yeah, we are in studio from FC Edmonton. We have Amir Didich and Philip Lindcourt Joseph. FC Edmonton, four thirty Saturday at Clark. They're going to be taking on Valor FC inside. Sports on 630 33-31. Tomorrow, Eskimos bombers in this time slot. In fact, it'll start at 5 with the countdown to kickoff. Game at 6.30. Saturday at 6, Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. Series tied 1-1, Bruins and Blues. Oscar Sundquist from St. Louis suspended one game for boarding Matt Grizzlick in Game 2 last night. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. They have their brunch, Northern Chicken style, Buttermilk biscuits, sausage, gravy, smashed potatoes, Sundays, 11 a.m. until 2. Visit northchickenyeg.com. In studio with Amir Didich and Philip Lindcourt-Joseph from FC Edmonton, as as well as with your uh, soon-to-be-departing media relations specialist, Grayson Knudsen, who did a great job prepping me on your <laughs> careers with notes on you both. And it's his last day. Thank this you. is his last duty. Thank yeah. you, Grayson. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Bringing you guys to the 6.30 Chet studio. Well, thanks uh, thanks a lot for coming in. Okay, I'm going to have some fun with you guys here. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to describe yourselves as players. I'm going to ask you to give a scouting report on the other guy. Oh. Who wants to go first? F- Philip on Amir. All right. <laughs> so basically, I just describe him as a player. If you ha- if mm-hmm. I, if I like maybe wanted him on my team, yeah, you have to, you have to give me a scouting report. Okay, what I'd be getting? Uh, a mere big guy, six foot four, good in the air, solid, actually good technically, can hit a seventy yard ball. <laughs> uh, likes to find uh, passes to the midfielders, unlike other center backs. <laughs> uh, what else? Yeah, that's I. Hey, that's I'm happy. Thank you, man. Have, Thank has, you. Has the the craziest shot I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the most powerful shot. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah. Okay. Pretty good. Pretty positive. Yeah. Amir on Philip now. First of all, first thing I think of is dynamic. That's the, that's kind of my main word for him. He's uh, in that attacking midfield role, um, where where you need to be dynamic, and obviously he is um, left-footed player, um, which is obviously special and. Most left-footed players are special in that role, and he he uh, he does a very well, very good job. Sorry, in, in uh, opening up and as uh, for me, from my view, and um, and receiving balls in, into that space and going forward in, in, at a good pace. And uh, I like him too because I mean the guy's got a wicked free kick. So um, he sits <laughs> after training pretty much every time, and he works on those, which which I admire because uh, I like to stay after and kind of work on stuff too. So it's, it's definitely. Definitely got that 
that ambition and drive in him. Thanks, man. Yeah, so. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> no, it's, it's got... all true, man. <laughs> well, true, that's man. nice and detailed for yeah. both of you. Very, 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 very good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, Amir, you grew up here. Uh, Philip, was this your first summer here? In Edmonton? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what are you learning about the city? And is are guys like Amir showing you around a little bit? Uh, well, at first, when I first got here, my first week on Trout, I had uh, Dylan Pauly pretty much spend time with me and, and show me around in restaurants and stuff. Um, but yeah, like living downtown, it feels good to like be surrounded by life, basically. <laughs> and it becomes a lot more lively in the summer. Uh, I'm starting to see like, you know, patios open up and and people walking around it's really nice and um yeah I, I appreciate the life here honestly i couldn't ask for better yeah well uh, great to have you playing for us uh so how have you guys found the uh, i mean look fc Edmonton had to go away for for a year as i'm sure you guys know and now into the the cpl give you know it, it you guys know what's like it's been tough for some soccer teams in the country you guys are the players out there why would you say this this is the league and look and fc had a pretty long run in nasl and i think your mm-hmm. owner uh tom fath mm-hmm. obviously did, did a great job why do you think the cpl is going to work and hopefully help canadian soccer as a whole right because we want to be on the a good team in the world cup at some point right yeah, that's true. yeah i mean for me i mean you look at all across the world and you see countries and they have their own domestic league right and canada hadn't had one till now and i think it starts there and obviously it's gonna it's the first couple years five maybe ten years where it it might not have a solid foundation but that's what we're trying to build for and um so far i mean i mean for me it's exceeded my expectations and and only there's only good things to come from it in terms of the youth for me, um, it gives something for the youth to strive for, and you know, hey, I want to play for FC Edmonton. I want to be a professional athlete. That's what that's what these teams provide for these young kids growing up, and then that's and that's how it is everywhere, across yeah, the world. I agree. So I, yeah, I agree, and I feel like you know, just just like I was not expecting this league to be so well organized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was right really, off the bat, huh? Huh? Right off the bat. Yeah, right yeah, off the yeah. bat, like. Everything was just so, and, and just just like the meetings that we had down in Dominican Republic, where, you know, uh, the league staff pretty much had meetings with us and explained to us uh, different sides of what they were trying to put in place, and and I think it was really eye-opening to see how serious they were taking stuff. And uh, yeah, as, as Amir said, I find, I feel like you know if if I'm a if I'm a 14, 15 year old kid right now, hoping to to play professional soccer, it's the best time, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for the future. Yeah, who knows? You, you you use this as a stepping stone to bigger leagues, or you come here and here. You want to play here? Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and just also the strive. fact that you know people are coming from abroad. You know, from usually people from North America are striving to play in Europe. Now we have people from Europe and all over trying to come and play here. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's a good indicator. Well said, Philip Lindcourt, Joseph Amir Didich from FC Edmonton. Thank you so much for dropping by. All the best this thank season, thank guys. You. Thank you for having us. And of course, FC Edmonton, 4:30 on Saturday, they will be taking on Val. FC at Clark Field. Raptors up 40-36 with 5.55 left in the second quarter. We have football starting at 5 tomorrow. Eskimos and Bombers. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.